Somehow I get a little more, uh, a little more time of enjoying Larry's uh, song reading and your willing participation. It was great. <coughs> and I'm just glad that I didn't have to leave. <laughs> yeah, amen. Thanks, Dave. Get the blood flowing. Get the blood flowing. Show the love here. Well, you know, so we've been, uh, for the last uh, month or two or three, whatever it's been, for most of the summer, uh, we've been talking through uh, Psalm 23 and really studying it out and trying to put it into our lives. And uh, it's been great to hear a lot of different things about that. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking about really just one part of Psalm 23, verse 5, where it says in verse 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Amen. So what I want to do, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lay a, a hard challenge on myself, is I want to change the way that you read this verse forever. Okay. Right. So my, my challenge to you is you're going to look at Psalm 23, verse 5, when it talks about anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You you will read it differently from now on. All right. So let's let's work on that, and we'll see if we can't fulfill that big initiative, that big desire. Because you know when I read uh, Psalm 23, I mean reading through this book, this has been great. So uh, Philip Keller has sort of given me some ideas about sheep that I never would have thought about. You know, <laughs> never crossed my mind. And so in this chapter, he talked about a bit about you know the, the sheep have flies in their eyes. You know, and they get bites, and they have flies in their nostrils, and he went into quite a bit of detail there. And, uh, you know, as Vermonters, we, we sort of know that already. Like, we know what a horse fly is, we know what a black fly is, we know what a yeah. green fly is. We, you know, we hate them with all our hearts. And, uh, Some of us don't know what green And we, we get the idea of, of putting oil on, you know, whether it's bug repellent or it's Benadryl cream. It just depends on what stage you are in your needing to be healed from bug bites. You know, and, and even I was thinking about this a few months ago. Steve Neff was asking about, does anybody among the brothers moisturize? <laughs> Fair enough. And so this is one of the things they did in, in this time frame to moisturize was to put olive oil on their face. You know, so that was a common thing. And uh, it was, you know, and so there's that whole aspect of Psalm 23, verse 5, that I think is important, relevant, and so on. But that's not where I'm going today. Because... One thing that struck me, you know, when Ryan was talking about uh, the, the, uh, the staff and the rod being a scepter, it just reminded me that David was a bunch of things. David was a scepter. <clears throat> we'll see some other things. I don't want to let the head. David was more than just that. But David was also king. And so when, with David being king, when he wrote this song or this psalm that talked about his experience, it wasn't just about being a shepherd in that experience. It was about what's it like to be king and have God be your shepherd. And so let's turn over and look at some of David's run here in 1 Samuel 16. Okay. So in 1 Samuel 16, I just want to read here for a bit, starting verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel... How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Then Samuel said, but Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. 
Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to, to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things human beings look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But, Shammah, but Samuel said, No, the Lord has, has, has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? <laughs> They're still the youngest. Jesse answered, he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. Uh, we will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent uh, he, so he said and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Wow. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came on David in power. Samuel went to Rama. It's just interesting. So, so you know, you'd think that the eldest son is the one. That's the way it flows. The eldest son gets the double portion. He's the important one. That's sort of the standard. And, and so uh, God is saying, well, this isn't going to get chosen by the standard way. You know, so well, well, if it's not the eldest, maybe it's the second eldest, or the third eldest, or the fourth mm-hmm. eldest, or the fifth eldest, or the sixth eldest, <laughs> or the seventh eldest. And no, it's not any one of those. It's even the point where, you know, they didn't even really bring David in as a son. He was just the young punk kid brother who was out tending the sheep. Like, who would you care about him, right? And yet, that's who God was looking for. You know, and from that time, it says that the Spirit of the Lord came on David in power. And we're going to follow that through in a bit. But I think it's interesting that from that moment, from, wait wait a minute, who, who picked him to be king? God, not Saul, not Samuel, not his dad, God. <coughs> See, it's God that anoints people. Yep. You have to remember, God is the one that gives the Holy Spirit. When you get the Holy Spirit, you get the power of God that goes along with it. Amen, it's Peter. really, it's amazing that this, so David from this punk kid brother stage has the power of God in his Holy Spirit. It's just incredible. And so... I want to read the next little bit because I think it's interesting. If you, your eyes scan down, and, and if you're not reading a paper Bible, you don't get to see that. Here's chapter 17, David and Goliath. So there are there are minor advantages to the paper Bible. And you remember who talked about David and Goliath, right? Brian, right? Brian talked yeah. about just how God worked through David with his staff mm-hmm. overcoming. And uh, he did a great job of making the case that David was a young punk kid brother. <laughs> so I'm going to make a different case here that David is someone with the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's more than that. Check this right. out. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. He hasn't met 
David yet. Saul's attendant said to him, See an evil spirit from the God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre, uh, and he will play when the evil spirit from the Lord from God comes on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. Okay, so he's a musician. So David's a musician. He's a brave man, and he's a warrior. He speaks well, and he's a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. My goodness, this is like the Renaissance man. If you're single and you're dating, I want to find this man, right? <laughs> musician, warrior, spirit-filled, handsome, wow. all those things, just amazing, you know, and and, and, and Dad said, what? that's just a punk kid, you know. No, that's awesome. And so so they, uh, they bring him. So Saul sent the messenger to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So even after getting anointed king and having the Holy Spirit, Dad sent him back out to the sheep, right? Mm-hmm. So, so Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then, Then the relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Interesting, it's an evil spirit from God. That that will be left for Larry to explain at some other time. <laughs> but you know, I think it's it's really amazing. So David was an armor bearer. So a little later, when you hear him here, when Saul says, "Put on the armor," did David know what the armor was about? Of course, he's the guy that's lugging everywhere. <clears throat> he's putting it on the king, and so I think he already knew. I don't need that stuff, right? But a little insight. But so it's the Holy Spirit has come on the punk kid brother, who really then has something to deliver to the king. And God's using him because the king has been rejected by God. God has left Saul. God is tormenting Saul. And yet God is using David uh, to soothe Saul, probably to keep him going until it's the right time. And of course, if you know the rest of the story, there's some pretty tough times. You know, Saul's not super fired up about David being appointed king. He chases him. He, he, you know, treats him as a terrorist, hurts his, you know, breaks up his relationship with, with, with Jonathan and lots of other things. But I think it's interesting just that we've got this anointing here. Let's, let's sort of play it forward now. Look over in uh, Acts chapter 10. Because <clears throat> it's, uh, it's not just David who wrote Psalm 23 that I'm going to remember every single time I read that passage. <clears throat> but I'm going to remember another anointed king. Uh, I'm going to remember Jesus. So let's look in uh, Acts 10 and verse 36. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Oh, wait, underline that, Holy Spirit and power. Very similar to the anointing, the kingship anointing that God gave to David. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, 
because God was with him. So God anoints Jesus with the Holy Spirit. And again, it's like, well, didn't he come from God? Didn't he already have the Holy Spirit? Yes and yes, but God really was putting his, I don't know, stamp of approval is not right, but basically sending him out to do what? To be a great ruler? No, to be a servant leader, right? Mm-hmm. To be a servant. He was sending Jesus out to do good and to heal those who were under the power of the devil. That's pretty, that's pretty straightforward. It's like, I'm, go, I'm just going to do good <clears throat> because that is really what God has called me to do. And we're going we're gonna to dig into that a little bit in the second half of what we talk about. But think about that. Here's Jesus. Now, when you first learned about Jesus, when you, when you decided, I think I'll try to figure out who this Jesus is, how did that affect you? You know, I was under the power of the evil one, you know. I, I thought about ways of doing wrong. I invented evil things to do, right? And uh, Dave's nodding his head because I know he has a similar background to me that, you know, we, we weren't dissatisfied with doing evil the old way. We were coming up with new ways to do it. <clears throat> and yet Jesus gave me a way out. He was full of goodness. He was able to transform and to change me because of the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so I wasn't sort of left to just being a worse or a slightly better version of who I used to be. I was empowered to be someone who was really different, who really had changed, and it, it was not because of me. You know, have you ever tried to do something and you just aren't enough to do it? You know, you know, it's you know, for me, when any time I try and play any basketball sport or baseball, I'm just not. It's just not there. You know, <laughs> tennis a little bit. You know, some of those, but you know, I just you know, I'm not going to be a pro baseball player. I'm not going to be a pro hockey player, right? Not mm-hmm. happening. Uh, I can't even skate backwards, so it's like, it's things, you know. <laughs> but, and sometimes I can feel that, you know, in trying to just follow Jesus, because I know on my own, I'm just not good enough. But what's exciting is that God comes in and, and really makes up the difference with his anointed king, with Jesus. Let's go over in Second Corinthians chapter 1. This sort of stood out to me, too. So David's anointed, Jesus is anointed. <clears throat> You know, hopefully it's not a surprise, but you're anointed. Yeah. <clears throat> Look over in Second uh, Corinthians chapter one and verse twenty, and he says here, he says, um, "For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through Him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it's God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us." And put his spirit on our, in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So when you become a Christian, God has anointed you. You know, and um, anointed you in the sense of he has put his seal of ownership on you. You know, and he has put his Holy Spirit in your heart. Did I say that? Did everybody say that? His Holy Spirit? Wow, I've heard that before, right? Holy Spirit on your heart and gave you power, guaranteeing what is to come. So, you know, you do not have to worry about what is to come as you walk in the Spirit because God is the one that guarantees what's going to happen. It's it's just amazing that God has that power. So when I read that verse in in, in Psalm 23, verse 5, what I read there is that David is saying, you know what, God anointed my head with oil. Thinking back, you know, when I was just that young, I mean, I, 
as David, I, I'm doing amazing things. I'm killing lions. I'm killing bears. You know, I, I'm the man. You know, mm. but then later, well, I'm the man hiding in caves with the king chasing me, trying to kill me. You know, I I, I need the spirit there. I, I'm the anointed one of God when I go and I lead the people. I'm the anointed one of God when I I they don't get to build the temple because I killed too many people. You know, mm. I was too violent. And yet, you know, there's a you know, what uh, in Acts, what Paul says, that David was a man after God's own heart. You know, God looked at the big picture. God <clears throat> knew that he had anointed him with the Holy Spirit. He saw the end of the story. He saw that we know the sin and the things happened in David's life, but he knew the end of the story. He guaranteed what is to come. He was with him. You are the anointed people of God. God has not just moisturized you, but God has filled you with the Holy Spirit and power so that when you step into battle, you're not going on your own strength. You are, you know, it's, I love the new ads where the kids are playing pickup basketball and Charles, Charles Barkley is there. I pick him. <laughs> you know? And then the next, the next time it comes out, it's like, give me the ball, give me the ball. You know, it's like, give Charles Barkley the ball and everybody else is about five feet shorter than him and you win. And it's way more than that with Jesus because we go into battle, we go into fight the temptation, we go into share about the good news of Jesus, we try to do good. God is over, overflowing, overfilling us. And so I want to step in now into the second point here of my cup overflows. Let's go over to 1 Chronicles 29. Okay. <clears throat> you are anointed of God. prayer. You know, David starts in 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 10 and he's praying. This is at the end they're, they're getting ready to, to be ready to build the temple and the people have brought in you know, gifts and contributed to being ready to build the temple and uh, it, it's just amazing it's, they, they literally almost they had to tell them, stop, you know, we have too, we have too much you know, you know, potluck is full don't bring any more food, you know, just come on and eat but David, you know, turns around and, and prays on behalf of the whole assembly, it says in verse 10. Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Now, I hear David saying, this was all me. I had a great plan and it worked out great. <clears throat> He's like, no, God's just amazing. Let me just tell you how amazing God is. God is way beyond. But then he says, in verse 14, but who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, as we are as, as are all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow and without hope. 
Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are, <coughs> who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever, and keep their hearts loyal to you. And give my son Solomon the wholehearted devotion to keep your commands, statutes, and decrees, and to do everything to build this palatial structure for which I have provided. It's amazing how he really, you know, is he's been anointed by God, he's been terrorized by Saul, he's been sinful as king, he's been successful in God's eyes. You know, God isn't looking at us and saying, oh, well, you had one good day and 40 bad days. Or you had 40 good days and one bad day. It's not the way it looks. He's like, I put my Holy Spirit on you, and why are you surprised at the overflowing that's coming out mm. of what I provided for you. Mm. And you think about Jesus, it's, you know, oh, this cup overflows thing, you know, sometimes we talk about ourselves, we say, well, I'm a cup half full person. Mm. You know, I really consider what's missing. And you you might say, well, yeah, if you're a cup half empty person, a cup could be real full and you're just half empty. Very rarely does people, do people say, I'm a cup overflowing person. <laughs> You know, I bring too small of a cup because God's just going to overfill it anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Peter sort of had that idea. You remember going fishing with Jesus, what it was like? Yeah. You know, oh, the boat is sinking. Jesus, thank you. You know, And Jeanette said, well, he really was thankful. Yeah, you're right. Or the nets are ripping You know, because Jesus could bring in more fish than you could imagine. It just wasn't, you know, oh, you need fish? I can make fish. You need money? Just go over and grab a fish. There'll be money in it. You know, you need to feed some, some you got a bunch of people coming over and you only have a couple loaves of bread. Well, I can feed 4,000 people. You know, I can feed 5,000 people with just what would not be enough, you know, for the brothers here to get together and eat, right? And it will feed thousands of people. So that's, that's really what overflowing looks like when God talks about overflowing. That's beyond your wildest dream. It, it's, it's unimaginable. And so Jeanette's going to come and share about that now. I forgot to fish that fish on it, so maybe I'll try to find it. So there are some sisters and brothers in here who know exactly what this is. <laughs> Cookies. Bread. Sugar. 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 So in a recipe, it'll often call for a certain amount. And you measure different things differently. So with flour, you generally take a spoon and you put it in the cup (coughs) because that's when you measure flour. This is brown sugar. We're going to pretend it's flour for half a second. So 
Jesus <clears throat> so that we could have a cup and he'll fill it up. The reason why I picked brown sugar is you measure brown sugar different. You crush it down. So this is the way you measure brown sugar. And now it's not a full cup anymore. You have to add more. And I'm making a mess. <laughs> Life is messy. <laughs> Life is messy. Yep. But then God says, that's not the way I measure. Mm. I measure like this. That's the way God measures. I was blessed and blessed that my spiritual birthday was this week. And unfortunately, it's going to sound okay to me, it sounds really um, astonishing because it was 40 years. Which I cannot believe standing before you. Achievement. <laughs> but I think the thing that amazes me every time is that it's because of God's generosity. Yeah. Right. It's no other reason because God's the one that gives me His Spirit. God's the one that allows me to stay faithful. Mm-hmm. It's not something I do. It's God always working on my heart and trying to help me to learn from the things He gives me, and then just overflows my life with his blessings. Mm-hmm. And it really helps my heart to stay soft mm-hmm. when I look at what he's done for me. Mm-hmm. Just me. Mm-hmm. I was the eighth of ten children. Mm-hmm. So I was sort of like that, oh, that's the one out in the field kind of situation mm-hmm. like David. You know, I wasn't the one that was, you know, top of the class or athletic or um, any of those things. But God found me In Luke chapter 10, no, I got it wrong, chapter 6, in verse 38, Jesus said, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, be measured to you. And I think that this is just the way God works in our lives. Mm-hmm. Is he's helping us to be givers. Because right. that's who he is. And he really wants us to enjoy the blessing of being able to give to other people. Of sharing what we have and sometimes sharing what we don't have and just trusting that God's going to make it overflow. Mm-hmm. I think in um, our lives we have three wonderful kids that are just amazing. I think about Monica and Karen the second, um, and how exciting that is. But you don't know what the kids are going to be until they're older, and they continue to grow and change. And what a blessing it is just to see how God works in their lives. Um, just to have them loving and 
being respectful, um, being hard workers, and um, just enjoying life. Mm-hmm. What a blessing it is for them when they have that. Um, That's right. To have friendships for years and years and years. Um, <laughs> it's just good to have you guys here. Um, Mary and Dave have been in our lives for quite a while. Our kids got to grow up together. And um, we get to have friendships that last not just for now, but beyond. And that's amazing, too. Um, we were talking about the garden. Dave is a landscaper, retired landscaper. Um, but he helped me a bazillion in my yard in Massachusetts. And then just having him here just to chit-chat about everything gardening. But God continues to show me through that just his abundance. Even in the weeds, we were looking up different weeds yesterday. <laughs> These weeds have been around for thousands of years. They call them horse tail. Twenty million years. <laughs> you horse cannot tail. get rid of them easily. Mm-hmm. And I just think about in our lives, if there are things in our lives that we can't get rid of easily. Mm-hmm. But with patience and keep working on it, fertilizing making sure things are going well, but God helps you to overcome. That's right. Um, and I just am so grateful that God's given me 40 years thus far, hoping, oh, David was king for 40 years, Moses was in the desert for 40 years, led the sheep for about 40 years, Samuel was, I mean, not Samuel, Solomon was king for 40 years. So Peter's like, you've got another 40. (laughs) 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 But I'm just really grateful that God sees beyond who we are Mm -hmm. to be what he wants us to be. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, it's hard to follow, right? I love what you shared. Thank you very much. Well, stay there in Luke and just look down to verse 45 of Luke 6. Good people bring good things out of the good stored up in their hearts. And evil people bring evil things out of the evil stored up in their hearts. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I think like Jeanette was saying, God continues to press down (coughs) goodness in our lives. And we've made a decision that we're going to be in his kingdom, (coughs) follow him as Lord. We're going to seek him. (coughs) And when we do that, then he provides an abundance of the Holy Spirit for us. And Jesus says that out of the overflow of the heart, you get to talk. Have you ever had that, you know, oh, I, I, I have this problem with this person or... You know, what I found is that you, you, everybody knows, like everybody knows what's really on your heart. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I, I don't know if you can be good at lying. This maybe you can, but I think ultimately you get caught. And so it's, it's so much better to resolve your heart and then your mouth speaks correctly. So it's working on those heart issues and really changing them because that's what Jesus wants us to be. He wants us to have goodness in us. Remember in Acts, it said he went around doing good. And just he was there to heal people that were under the influence of the evil one. And so we can just be a, a light of goodness that gets magnified by the Holy Spirit 
and it flows out of us. It's almost like the first verse I saw that was overflowing. The goodness in your heart overflows in everything you say. Everything that comes out is good. That God put the Holy Spirit in us when he anointed us. You know, Jesus went around doing good, and God wants us to overflow. Remember the definition of overflowing? This is the definition of overflowing. Jesus' fishing trip is the definition of overflowing. Jesus, you know, lunch with the with the families is the definition of overflowing. You know, do we have to go in and spend a month, you know, a month or years' wages? Then it's going to overflow. <clears throat> That's good. You know, when you start doing good, it's like it, it's like a, like siphoning. It starts to flow out of you. You do one good thing, you do another good thing. Oh, that's good seems to be easier to do than bad. Mm-hmm. Telling the truth, loving people, that's that flows out because it's no longer under your power. You want to do evil? God will let you do evil. He just won't be with you. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't with Saul. When you decide to do good, then God goes, this is awesome. You just do a little bit, I'll do a bunch more behind you. I'll help you do right. good. I'll be with you. It'll overflow. <clears throat> you won't be able to really stop it. It'll just continue to go. Um, look over 1 Thessalonians 3. I think there's some other overflowings in the New Testament that got me pretty pretty excited um, to think about. 1 Thessalonians 3, it says uh, in verse 11, it says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. You know, when you're raising a little child and you're trying to get them to do good, their nature is, for the most part, you know, for some extent, is to do good. Like, okay, well, go say thank you, you know. You know, say please, say thank you. It's really fun to see Juniper doing those things. And she, I, I love it. She's, she's happy about it. You know, take your shoes off, you know, when you come in the house. And so she's doing that. She, she hasn't figured out to be bad yet, you know. <laughs> she's working on and that time, that time comes pretty soon, you know, it does. And it does for us. But, but by nature, God puts in us the spirit of doing good. And I'm one of those people, I know that in, in, in management philosophy, some people believe that every, I believe everyone by nature is good. I think God puts a spirit of goodness in people. So really what I strive to do is I try to find the goodness in people. I think people of their nature, God puts eternal life on the hearts of men. God puts, you know, the evil one comes in and corrupts it and gets them under his spell. And, and, and it's like Jesus, Jesus is coming around trying to heal people who were started out good because God made them that way and got corrupted. Mm-hmm. And he does it because he's able to do it because I'm overflowing with goodness. I've got more goodness than I can handle. You know, if I just start letting some of it out, God brings in more and brings in more. And so it's really, how do, how do I how do I be overflowing with love? How do I just let it come out? You know, how do I do that? i got to tap into what God has given me. Remember, remember David, what did he say? My cup overflows. I keep going back to King James. My cup runs over, whatever that means. But it's overflowing. It's got, it's, my cup, I have more than I need. You know, will I run out of love if I love somebody? No, I got more. There's more in there. You know, if I if I trust somebody, uh, if I love somebody, if I give to them, if I encourage them, you know, here who here likes to be get words of discouragement? 
Right here. You could have done better. How come you only did 80%? You could have done better. You want to hear 80%? That was awesome. You know, that was great. You know, that was awesome. You know, keep doing it. That's inspiring. You know, uh, when I went through Army training, I think Al may have gone through airborne school too. They sat us down and they said, you know, remember when you, you did it bad when we said you did it good? They said, we're inspiring you. We're inspiring you. We might have been yelling at you and making you push ups and other stuff, but we were trying to inspire you to do better. We were pushing you to it. You know, when you're playing basketball and they make you do wind sprints, you go, who likes wind sprints? Nobody. <laughs> you know, and uh, when I played basketball in high school, I, you know, I was, I had a perfect record for free throws. I told you that. Yes. <laughs> I did one. I made one in my whole career, and uh, it was perfect. You know, better than better than Steph Curry, by the way, right? So, it's only 90 percent. I'm 100 percent. But but I had a privilege, and I was the slowest guy on wind sprints. And so we did. We would do. You know, we would do ultimates, or we do up and back. And the the last guy to come in had to run another lap while everybody else watched. Oh, me. Me. I got to do that. I got that encouragement. I, I'm not sure. You I went the extra mile. That was my that was my Bernie Bush moment. I was like, why are they making me run more? But um, you know, it's look over Philippians one, uh, Philippians one twenty six. It says in different ways of translating this. This is the version that I was using when I found this. It's Philippians one twenty six. So that through my being with you again. Your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. You're a vessel of joy. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can sit down with somebody and you can make them feel the joy of having a relationship with God. You know, it says in Hebrews, Jesus, <clears throat> for the joy set before him, endured the cross. <clears throat> so he, he was able to say, look, you know, beyond the cross is the joy of God. We can see that too. You know, I, I like it, Jeanette can say, I've been a disciple 40 years. Have, has every moment been joyful? No. It's a little bit, but it's another story. <clears throat> but the end result thus far has been, this is great. This is really, God is transforming me. God is bringing out the joy in my life. And you have that to offer to other people. You have the joy of Jesus that can be overflowing in your life. It can be amazing. You know, in Romans 15, it says in verse 13, I just thought it was pretty incredible. And I started to look at overflowing. It wasn't like overflowing wealth, you know, overflowing anything but fruits of the Spirit. That's what Jesus and, and Paul just talked about fruits of the Spirit that overflow because you receive that anointing of power and of the Holy Spirit. So Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, every time you have to trust in God, it's a big thing. Like, imagine you're driving here today and you get a flat tire. Have you ever got a flat tire? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I hope it was this morning, but, uh, you know, so one thing you could do is you could sit in your car and say, Jesus, fix that tire. And you pray for it. And that's a thing. You could do that, right? But I think, at least in my experience, is that Jesus wants you to get out of the car and change the tire yourself. Because <laughs> that's in your power. You have the ability to change the tire, call it AAA, do something, you know, call it Uber, whatever you have to do. That, that's in your power. 
<clears throat> but there's some things that are totally outside of your power. Whether it's overcoming addiction, it's overcoming the sin of other people in your lives, overcoming trauma, sharing your faith with someone that you really have a hard time communicating. You know, just even, I, I hate them so much, how could I ever share Jesus with them? Mm. You know, how do I overcome that, those feelings? Well, those you have to have God for. You can't do those on your own. And so when you hop out of the car to try and overcome those controlling sins in your life, that's the mistake you're making. Change your tire, do that. Work on those things in your life. Yes, do that, but do it with God. Take it to God in prayer. Get some advice from godly people. Fast about it. Really, just you have to rely on God because it says here in Romans, it says, the God of hope wants to fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Spirit. See, when Jesus sat in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, God, can you just make this not happen? I think he was legit. You know, it's like this is more than I, as the divine Son of God, can bear. And, and God said, no, uh, this has got to happen. And, and we know it saw in Hebrews, okay, well, for the joy set before me, I'm going to endure the cross. I'm going to go to the cross because that's, I'm trusting you. And we have to trust God. You know, we have to trust God that what happens when we die, that God, we will never die, will continue in his eternal kingdom. We have to trust God that, you know, we're raising these kids and it's really difficult right now. And we don't know exactly what to do. You know, we need your help in this. We have to trust God that I've got this sin in my life that is just really difficult. And it keeps coming back. And I, I don't want to leave you, God, because I know that it'll just get worse. I want to go with you. And when it's just there, it's still, it's, it's burning. And we need God. We need, that, we need that, that trust in him because he's really given us the power of the Holy Spirit. Your anointing gives you the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's the trusting in God that allows his overflowing to really flow through your life. And so when you read Psalm 23 and verse 5, yeah, the sheep need salve, and Steve and I need moisturizing because we're, we're older guys. But really what we're reading there is that because I have a relationship with the Messiah, with the anointed king, I too have God's anointing in my life. And that anointing brings me power. It brings me the power of the Holy Spirit. And it gives me the ability to overflow with love and with joy and with thanksgiving and with grace. They're just to overflow from my life, not because of anything that I've done, but because I'm with him. I'm with God. I'm with Jesus. And so right now, let's pray for the communion, and let's just reflect on how God really wants to take advantage of you, your, your anointed power, and overflow his Holy Spirit in your life. Let's pray. Father, we, we really trust you. Father, we know that we need more, God, it's, it's, uh, but we're really inspired, God, to see just how much you work through people. Just David's message of uh, just his trusting in you, his relying to the end, we really have felt in our lives the ups and downs that he experienced. We've felt the, the sorrow from our own sin. We've even felt the sorrow of the sins of other people, and uh, well, that, that really just makes us look more intently at the cross of Jesus. That how much more was Jesus unright, unrightly persecuted, crucified, 
so that we could have an eternal relationship with you. We're grateful uh, to be your people, to be his people, <clears throat> Father, to know that it's, it's his blood that cleanses us of all of our sins. God, help us as we <clears throat> take the bread and the juice and, and reflect on uh, the promise that you made us, Father, that we would be forgiven, that we would be full of your Holy Spirit, that we'd have the power to do good <clears throat> and help other people, God. Just help us in our own unbelief. God, help us to strengthen us, God, to feel your presence with us. God, we need you so much. We really are grateful that you love us and care for us. And uh, thank you for this time now to remember your son's sacrifice and to really apply it to our lives, Father, to be full of your power and your spirit. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.